Welcome to the Therapeutic Food Solutions Podcast. I'm your host, Mary Mitchell. I'm an integrative nutrition health coach, therapeutic diet expert, and founder of The Road to Living Whole. There are many different diets out there. It's hard to know which one is right for you with your chronic illness and autoimmune disease. In this podcast, I'm going to share with you the foundational pieces every single therapeutic diet out there shares, and also how to use the best one for your particular diagnosis. If you've been looking for a meal planning partner, help navigating the complicated healthcare system, and want to feel better quickly, I'm your girl. Grab your kombucha and notebook. Let's dive in. Back with me today is John Gusty. Back in April, he joined me and we talked about owning your health outcomes. Well, today we are diving further and we're going to deconstruct different facets of the health and wellness industry and things that you really need to know about it to get a full understanding of what it takes to truly live a healthy life beyond just things that we tend to compartmentalize and think are separate or really all tied together. So I'm really excited to dive into this, John. Thank you so much for joining me again. Can you give us a quick intro and then we'll, we're going to start diving in? Yeah, Mary. Well, first of all, thanks for thanks for having me back. Um, yeah, John Gusty, I uh, live west of Nashville, Tennessee, co-authored uh, a book with four of uh, probably some of my best friends on earth for UK chaps. And that book is called The Red Pill Revolution. And we started writing that book in fourth quarter of 2019. I think we all know what happened next. And that book was we originally set out to make it as, and it's, it's ironic what happened next, but the, the whole point of the book was to offer a sane, rational, calm-toned approach to the wacky world that we live in, the, the politics, the religion, the media, the, the corporate, all of that stuff. And um, and then, of course, we, we end up writing it during, you know, the one of the biggest psyops of, of certainly, certainly of my life, I'm sure of, of, of most people's lives. But I think it was a blessing in disguise because it's it's really given the project legs and it we're able to keep this conversation going and probably will for many, many, many more years. So it's it's just it's it's been awesome to to be able to talk to people about so many different subjects. And hey, I want to give a shout out to you and your your audience. My uh my my publicity team, the, the amazing folks at Command Your Brand, um, Jeremy and Rebecca over there, they've probably had me on 30 plus podcasts and a few really, really stood out as just outstanding conversations. And yours was was absolutely one of, uh, if if not the, the one of the more enjoyable ones. And I'll tell you why, because, you know, we, we, we all, I think a lot of people have their little niches that they that they play in. And of course, you know, you, you play in the health and wellness niche, but what I really loved about our, our past conversation, and, and I think it's, it's a struggle for a lot of people trying to figure out the world these days is everything is connected and, and you can't talk about health and wellness without talking about government, without talking about corporations, without talking about the legal, the legal system versus the lawful system. You can't, I mean, it's all, all connected. And, and, and you are one of the, the few that just you're open to, to the connectedness of it all. And, um, and so thanks, thanks for having me back. And, and I, I hope, uh, hope this is time well spent for the, for, for your audience. I have no doubt. And thank you. You know, one of the things that I think is coming out on the podcast this year, and I'm really excited to talk about it. It's just that health is not just like one dimensional, like, yes, we know we need food and sleep and clean water and all this stuff, but what it takes to get that is a lot more complicated 
than we think in yeah. today's world. And, you know, I've had three or four out of you guys from Red Pill Revolution on the podcast lately. And it just, it takes the the scope and the the depth of the health, health and wellness world so much deeper because there is so much at play that, you know, I've been in the health world for over 12 years, right? And I think even longer than that. And it's just like, I've gone through all these stages of learning and shock and awe and anger and acceptance. And, you know, what role can I play in this? And how can I help make the world a better place? And, you know, a lot of people, especially when they're like newly diagnosed with, you know, chronic disease and stuff, and they realize that the medical system is not helping them and they have to go outside of that and they have to own their health. It's overwhelming. They don't know where to begin. And it it truly is multifaceted. So I'm excited that we get to dive deeper into that. Yeah. And, and, and I think you just hit on something that I think is a, is a, is a fundamental pillar of understanding that I think a lot of people, they just don't, they don't start from this perspective. And it's the perspective of there is a really big difference between health and wellness. And that's a big topic area. And there's a lot of people playing in that space. You've got health and wellness over here and you have the medical industrial complex over here. I'm never at a loss for, for silly analogies. So let me offer one here. If this helps people kind of get what, I, what I'm saying, you could make the argument that the fast food industry is definitely in the nutritional space, the nutritional dietary space. But would anyone sanely look when and not the only one in that space but would anyone sanely look to the fast food industry to be the be-all end-all source of information for your nutritional health and of course the answer is no they they are not their objective is not to keep you healthy their objective is is to sell you things and make those things as delicious and as tempting as possible and so I, you know, I think the sane amongst us look at the fast food industry at the very least as just maybe a, a treat, a naughty treat, maybe, you know, it, it, but, but you certainly wouldn't go to that industry for your nutritional guidance. And by the same, well, you shouldn't. Yeah. Yeah. And by, by the same token, you can make a direct comparison to the medical industrial complex. That's kind of like the fast food of your your health, you you know, but that's so hard for some people to grasp. It's like, because we've been born, it's just been embedded into our psyches that these people with white lab coats and letters after their name have some sort of magical power or superior understanding of things. And I don't know, anyone that's ever done even 10, 15 minutes of research into what a typical MD is, ends up knowing. I mean, I mean, it's almost cliched now that, that, that most people know that like, if you go to become a, a medical doctor, it's, there's not a whole lot of, if any focus on nutrition or, or food or, 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 or any of that stuff. So. Or I, even self-care at home, yeah, teaching yeah. people how to take care of themselves yeah. at home. It's literally just symptoms, pills, Yeah. you know, symptoms, surgery. And, you know, and it's unfortunate. Like my favorite doctors are the ones that are like in their seventies that don't want to retire because they understand, you know, oh, you know, wet socks and drink honey with lemon, you know, honey, lemon water for a cough. <laughs> yeah. yeah. They remember that they're probably the last of the generation that had a little bit of that homeopathic, you know, I mean, I mean, if something works, it works, 
Um, but the medical industrial complex has been, you know, ever since the Rockefeller forces established it, has been trying to stamp out or or minimize or even turn into out white outright quackery things like, you know, the, the power of like what something simple as like apple cider vinegar, what, what that could do. They would rather sell you an artificial substance, tell you, you know, to, to use apple cider vinegar for things. And there's all there's countless examples of that. But, you know, I mean, but the medical industry only. only they only have three tricks. They're going to, they're going to cut you. They're going to drug you, or they're going to burn you with radiation. That's, that's all they do. And it's kind of like the fast food industry has, has only got a few tricks and, you know, it's sugar, salt, and, you know, and almost, you know, food, food porn, <laughs> like imagery, you know, <laughs> look at this hot fudge Sunday. You want this hot fudge. So, so I, I, and I think that that fast food analogy, you can, you can take that any vertical, you could take it in. If all you're consuming for your information is mainstream corporate government news, like, you know, Fox, CNN, the BBC, if that's all you're consuming, then you're, you're consuming fast food information. And over a course of time, if that's all you're consuming, your informational health is going to be subpar. If all you're eating is fast food, your actual health is going to be subpar. So you, we need to, I don't know, if through these types of conversations, if we can help people who may not be um, looking at it quite the, the way that you and I look at it, if, if we can just offer them, you know, just, I don't know, offer them an, an example of like, hey, look, you know, I, I haven't, I haven't put any of their products in me or on me in, in probably 20 years, you know, and, and I'm better off for it. And, and I, and I think most of us who, who have taken that path are better off for it. And just, and I, and I, I have, I avoid their stuff. Like I avoid fast food or like I avoid fast food information. It's, it's just, it's not healthy. for Yeah. Me. Yeah. It's, so true. <laughs> and our goal today is to offer another perspective and give you food for thought because it's so easy to kind of get wrapped up in the noise in the health and wellness world. There's just, there's a lot of noise out there and really you can break it down into different categories. And there's just a lot of learning with all of those, but under, if you can understand that they're all interconnected and you don't have to know everything, but we're going to give you some information today. And so we've talked about, you know, we talked about, we want to deconstruct kind of health and wellness and really kind of give people this different perspective on it and this more holistic perspective on it. And, you know, your, your biggest passion is, is that people understand that there are these different categories and they're all interconnected. So let's, you know, let's move on from fast food and let's talk, you know, the fast food example, which I love. I, I love the examples that you give it make the illustrations are beautiful. You know, let's talk about maybe the different things that are just bombarding our health that we don't think about. You know, you talked about CNN and, you know, news related media and how poisonous that can be. Let's talk about that. I think, you know, a lot of people like my grandma loves the news, right? She has to watch it every day. But then she also thinks that like <laughs> there's all this evil running around in the world and she's kind of scared of the world, you know, and it's 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 unfortunate, I think. So maybe I know a lot of people are running into that. Things are so divisive right now. Let's I would love to talk well, about that. I, I'm I've always and, and and maybe you've noticed this, too, over the years, but the more the more you find out about the deceptive darker side of 
anything, you realize one one common thread that I've noticed is how blatant and in the open some of this is. I, I mean, we'll take media. I mean, we have we have grown up knowing the term programming, but we don't think anything about like most people don't think about that word. They're using that word quite you know, I mean, boldly, I mean, he, how many, how many times have you seen somebody on social media go, I need a new thing to watch? Like what, you know, I, I've gone through this particular series and now I need a new thing to watch. And you really, you, I don't know, like that programming is just as addictive as the tobacco industry has made cigarettes or just as the sugar industry has made sugar. You know, I mean, it's, if you are a profit-driven entity, you have to hook your customers. You have you have to, and and hooking your customers isn't always bad. I mean, if you're offering a good, honest, you know, noble, healthy service or good, I mean, it's yeah, you you'll, you'll hook the customer on the integrity and the honor of of your brand. But that is not the case with major mainstream media of any kind. I mean, I mean, and, and, and there's, you know, we've been just, we've grown up in this, there's this fake paradigm of this right versus left, red versus blue. And, and it's so, I hope, I hope with the ridiculousness of the last three, four years that more and more people are seeing that that is, it is a religion. It, I, I mean, people who believe in the, I, I, it's, it's statism, people that believe in the state, they 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 believe in the District of Columbia. Okay, that's that's a religion. It's a higher authority, just like you know, re religion is belief in higher authorities. People really believe that little ten mile square, ten square mile area, you know, called the District of Columbia, actually has authority over everyone, and people willingly submit, just like people in you know, any other religion willingly submit to that power and got their sacred texts and their funny robes and their ceremonies and, and all of that. But it's the same church, you know, the, the red people sit on the one side of the church and the blue people sit on the other side of the church, but it's the same church. And if you can approach that media as it, it there, it, there isn't two sides, you know, the, the CNN people and the Fox news people are not on opposite sides of the, the the ideology they're they're in the same church they they believe that 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 entity that they believe in the district of columbia which is a commercial entity has the right to tell you and i and everybody else what to think what to eat what to grow where to live um who who owns what boundary all these types of things health yeah, insurance how you can take care of yourself everything and one and one of the most like egregious things i'll tie this back to you know health and wellness one of one of the most just sickening aspects of where we've gotten ourselves to as a as a species first and foremost the number one the number one thing that we are is made up of water and water is so key like if we could start thinking of ourselves as aquariums and treating ourselves like someone who has 
I mean, we've all known people who have, you know, hundreds, if not thousands of dollars tied up in aquariums and the lights and the coral and the, you know, and, and the, the plants and all of that stuff. And they would never think of throwing tap water in there because they know exactly what would happen. The plants would die, the fish would die. But, but we, we in mass throw crappy water into our aquariums all the time and don't even think about it. This system, this paradigm that we live in, it, we've got to be the only organism, the only species on earth that puts a commercial paywall between like us and water. It literally falls from the sky, pours from the ground. It's, it's, it's everywhere. Why is any human being paying for water? And why are we not taught the importance of water when we are arguably 70, 80% water, depending upon who you want to argue with? Think about the ridiculousness of that. We should be taught at birth how to how to harvest and store water and how to and, and how to keep that water. I mean, that water is life. And but yet, you know, most of us get water through it's it's piped in through some gross you know, system from some gross processing plant somewhere and a processing plant is dumping who knows what into that water. I don't, I, I think it would, it would behoove everyone to take a trip down to their local water company and, and, and take a look at like some of the stuff they're putting into. Well, and some of the stuff they can't filter yeah. out. They don't have processes in place to remove pharmaceuticals. Mm -hmm. So there's birth control in water and psych meds in mm -hmm. water that you're drinking from the tap. And it's really unfortunate. They're, they are transparent about it if you look for it, but you have yeah, to yeah. know what you're looking for. And I mean, I get an annual water report of like chemicals that are found. And if they're, you know, in the legal limits or if they're above the legal limits, oh. I, I mean, they say yeah. they're honest about it because I've seen plenty that are way too high. But then if you dig down the rabbit hole of, well, what are these chemicals and what do they do? And you realize that they're hormone uh, endocrine disruptors, mm -hmm. right? And like right now, Robert Kennedy Jr. made atrazine super popular and everybody's researching atrazine and how it turns frogs into genderless or female, you know, male frogs become genderless or female. And, you know, and the EPA just decided they, a 50% increase in the limit that they use on, on, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a pesticide. Like it's they use it on food or something. Oh and gosh. then it goes into our water, you know, and it goes into the plants. They don't have an ability to filter it out. So, you know, we're drinking it, showering in it, all of these things. And, you know, really, it's like the power comes when people are educated and can demand change, right? Like that's where that's where the power is. And like, because you, it's really overwhelming to think about. There's all these things, you know, that are that are frustrating that our government allows to happen for whatever reason they're bought and paid for. But the more we know about it, the more we can raise our voices and the more we can say something, the more filters that we can buy. We can learn what filters we need to do. We can learn about showerhead filters. We can learn about all these things and what we can do, which is great, but it's demanding change. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I actually, I inter interfaced with my water company and I took, took them to task on what they were putting in. My wife suffers from, she, she's got a pretty, pretty bad neurological scenario and you know i was wanting them to take hydrofluoric silicic acid out of the water and they were actually really nice about it i was they had to had to chuckle when i went in there three older gentlemen i, I went to the the monthly meeting and they're like you're the first person who's attended one of these meetings in years you know and so and we, we they were really kind and, and they answered all my questions and and we uh you know asked to see the packaging that the hydrofluoric silicic acid comes in and yeah you know, it showed me all of that 
I asked him, I said, Hey, look, you know, you don't have to put this in there. You're not mandating, you know, you're not mandated by anything that I'm, I'm, I'm aware of. Um, why are you doing it? And they're like, well, we just have always done it. And I was like, well, could you stop? Because I'm your customer and, and, and I would like you to stop doing that. They said, well, let's, let's look into why we're doing it and why we were even doing it in the first place. And I went to the next meeting 30 days later and there must have been 22, 24 additional people in there other than me. And they were all from the state of Tennessee. They contacted the state and the state descended upon our little water district like a swarm of bees. And, um, and uh, they had, there was half the people in there were lawyers. And you come to find out that, you know, years and years ago, back in the back in the 50s, the aluminum industry struck a deal with the dental industry and the water infrastructure uh, throughout the country. And, you know, hydrofluoric silicic acid is a it is a byproduct of aluminum production. And the aluminum industry was dumping it into just dumping it. Then people were started dying and plants and animals started dying. And they brought it to, you know, took them to task. And this was, this was in the, the mid fifties thereabouts. And so, uh, yeah, I, I, I guess it was some sort of a win-win that instead of dumping it in the, in the earth and killing uh, and harming you know, a small group of people, we'll put it in the water supply and even it out. We'll take this highly corrosive, toxic substance and put it in the water supply and wait, corrosive, who could benefit from that? The dental industry, you know, I mean, the dental industry is a relatively new industry. You know, I mean, what, you know, what it wasn't re really the, the introduction of sugar into the, the modern diet really caused a lot of that. But then you also have, you know, water supplies that have this, this acid in it is, you know, slowly corroding people's teeth. And, and that, that's great for the dental industry. So I, Industry-wise, it was a win-win, but I mean, like most people don't even know the history of that. And it's it's pretty well documented. I mean, I've got a stack of books downstairs that's, I think the earliest one was 1952, written by medical professionals when this whole practice started. And, you know, the whole theme of everything was like, what in the world are we doing? We're not, we can't put that stuff in the water supply, but, you know, it's in there and it's still in there to this day. And, you know, so, so I did what I could. I, I pressed all the buttons that I could press, but then um, I took it into my own hands and I, I stopped being a customer and I dug a well and the well cost me um, what your average, you know, family of five probably spend on an annual vacation. And instead of, you know, instead of going to Disneyland or going on a cruise, I just dug a well and now I have my own water. And, and it's, it's not an issue. I, I, I have control over my water now. I distill it and, all the, all the water that I either either drink or expose myself and my family to is at, at least I know what's not in it because I take because I take everything yeah. out through distillation. Yeah. Going back to the government and how it impacts the health and wellness of the people, especially I mean, it's all countries. I feel like America is especially our government is especially bought out because we have so many things that are allowed in our food and allowed to be sprayed on our food that other countries have banned and or severely limited long, long ago, right? There's all these comparisons between like, you know, Food Babe talks about this, like, oh, you know, if you compare American made product with the European product and how much shorter the list is, and, you know, ours has like all these food additives and food coloring and binders and thickeners and like all of this stuff that's really detrimental to our health, but the government allows it. And they say that it's completely fine and healthy. Do they really have our best interest well, at yeah. heart? I like to, well, 
my starting point is I don't think we need to refer to it as our government because we actually don't have anything to do with it. I, I mean, at least people will argue the date, but at least from you know the early 30s onward, we haven't had, I haven't lived a day of life on earth since birth, since my birth, where we have had government. We don't, we don't have government. We have these commercial entities, you know, acting as government, but they're not actual government. And, and the, the people are not in charge or influential in any way. I mean, we don't, I mean, we go through the, you know, we, I don't, I don't, but um, lots of us go through the, the, the voting ritual, you know, but I mean, the mere fact that the, we don't elect any of those people, you know, you can look into the, just even the whole electoral college, you know, which is who it, it's, these are commercial entities and the electoral college is actually the board and, and the board elects the, the, you know, the, the people who are, who are in charge of the commercial entity, but, but they're the ones that are in charge of what's allowed in our food, what's well, allowed to be spread. We don't on have it. to eat their food. Right. But for people who are starting this journey, right? So if we think about that, they're they're coming to the realization, okay, the med- doctors aren't helping me. The food's poison, you know, but w- w- what's the root of that? And the root of that is that we do participate in buying their food. So how do we get out of that? Where Where does one begin? And for me, I just think about just, first of all, just switching to real food and getting mm-hmm. You know, and that's, that's like start, you know, yes, food is heavily sprayed, but the foods that are most heavily sprayed are wheat, oats, corn, right? Like those are like the big ones yeah. that get sprayed. And you lot, don't really right? need any of those. Any of those. Yeah. <laughs> you, you don't need any <laughs> No, of those. you really, you don't need any of that. Um, you know, people are more worried about like GMOs and things like that. And I'm like, yeah, my biggest concern is the pesticides mm. and the herbicides and the fungal sides. And so it's like the more we can escape that and just eat real food. And then if you take it a step further, once you're used to eating real food, then you take a step further and you start buying local, getting to know Mm, your local farmers, your local ranchers, you know, and, and it's not always easy at first (laughs) until you, for one, change your habit. You find the people, you get to know them. Like it's a process of building relationships with these people and buying local and and finding out where where do you buy the local stuff because in Arizona our farmers markets are basically just buying a bunch of knickknacks there's mm-hmm. very little food at our farmers markets out here yeah i grew up in, i grew up in tempe so i i <laughs> yeah you know but what's funny is that there's these these food boxes you can buy every week and they are from local farmers and everybody just kind of gets a little bit of everything from all these different farmers. And you get this amazing amount of produce that tastes better than you could ever experience. You don't know the farmers, but you know, like the company gets some from all the local farmers and it's like a co-op of farmers. They all grow different things and they all go in together, you know? And so that's really big here in Arizona. Um, But if you go back East and then to the South where there's a lot more farms and local farms and small farms, you can really, you have access to more things than a lot of people yeah, do, and I, which is and, just... I, and I don't think we should underestimate what we can all do for ourselves. And I mean, and and, and you know, it is a enormous lifestyle change for somebody who is used to just going to their grocery store whenever they want and picking something up. What was a big wake up call for I think a lot of people was early, uh, if you early into the. Uh, the events of 2020 remember remember the great toilet paper shortage you know and, and but what 
th that was that was kind of silly uh, in retrospect but like what came after that and i mean still there's lots of uh lots of our brothers and sisters in the uk and beyond who still can't go to the store and get bacon you know just essentials and we just we just take for granted that that's where our food comes from our food comes from stores and we need to change our mindset and like that's not how any other species thinks. That's not how birds think, fish think, dogs think, cats think, cows think. Their food comes from them. They go get their own food. And what could be more important? What's a more important priority than nourishing yourself? So I just think we need to shift. There needs to be, a, and, and it's happening. I mean, I see it everywhere and I think you do too, but there needs to be a, a massive shift away from the things that most people consider priorities. Most people consider priorities to be their cable bill or their phone or their car or their, you know, that kind of stuff. And, and I realize that for some people in day-to-day -day life, those are necessities, but you know, what is going to happen when those things go down, stop working? And, and you know, we, we, will, live, we will live to see, a, even if it's an intentional, something as simple as like a, an intentional electromagnetic pulse event, whether it's terrorist or instigated by the powers it shouldn't be. But, you know, we, we will live to see, I, I mean, I predict it's going gonna, it's gonna to take place in the next year or so. You know, some some sort of electromagnetic pulse event where phones stop working or or electronics stop working for a period of time, and you know when when you can't whip out your plastic card and give it to the cashier at the store for your packaged stuff, whatever it is that you might be buying, how are you going to feed yourself? How are you going to get water? And so, if we could just start looking at our basic necessities with a little bit more um, of the responsibility on ourselves. You know, like, like regardless yeah. of where you live, there is somebody growing something or the, somebody has chickens. I mean, I mean, there's, and, and, and even if you live in an apartment, you can still grow a lot of stuff. And I realize that's not the be all end all, but it's a really good start. It's any, anything yeah. that you can consume that came from you, that you made happen, I think is, is a win. And, and, and you kind of get on a little bit of a adrenaline rush when you start doing it and you're like, you know, I grew this tomato or, you know, or, or I, you know, even if, even if you didn't do it, like I have a lot of farmer relationships and it's like, I, I, I haven't actually bought food from the store in many, 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 many years. But like when I am eating a steak or, or a burger or whatever, like I know where that came from. It not only tastes better, but I know because I know where it came from and I know the people behind it, I know it's healthier for me. And it just, I don't know, it just, it's, it, there's, there's some sort of pride that you get from just knowing, Hey, I, I, I made this happen. I didn't, I didn't just go to Kroger and get it, you know? Yeah. I think one of the things that when you start owning your health is the empowerment that comes with it. And part of being empowered is knowing where your food comes from. And, you know, there is this push of like humane farming and like this, you know, one of the, you know, biggest reasons why people will go vegan is because they hate how animals are treated, right. You know, on these mass farms by these, you know, big ag companies that are really not ag related. They're just, you know, market, you know, money driven companies that don't really care about health. They just care about profit. Mm -hmm. Right. And that's not all of them. I know plenty of cattle ranchers who raise their cows and then sell them at auction. Mm. 
you know, they're, they're living on grass for the first two, you know, two, three years of their lives before they go to slaughter. Right. But I think, especially when you're dealing with disease, which, you know, so many of us are, you know, and when we're getting into food and we, so you start eating healthier, right. You start going to the grocery store, you're buying different things, but then you start realizing what's in your food and you, it's like this progression of things. And I, you know, it's funny because I'm in this world all the time and I think it's normal. And then I talk to somebody who's not in this world and I feel like I'm like an alien. Like they're looking at me like I'm insane. And I think that some people listening to this might be like, whoa, this is like really intense and out there, but it's really just kind of the progression of learning to own your health is like, first you just start learning, okay, I need to eat real food. I need to learn how to cook it. But then you start realizing, oh, there's still a bunch of crap in there. So what can you, you know, what can I do? And like, I have a black thumb. I can't really grow things, unfortunately. And I don't really have the time to to learn. But even now, like there's people that if I were to put planter boxes in my yard, there are urban farmers that I can, that will come and I can pay them and they'll take care of my garden for me every week. And I get the food from that. But like what I do is I do the boxes and, you know, the, 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 the local farmers and buy, you know, get meat delivered or, you know, things like that. Like there's just, there's so many different options out there, but it's really just the more you can depend on yourself and not on others and knowing what's in your food and where it comes from, the the better you'll be because you're in charge mm-hmm. of your health and you're not outsourcing it. And I think that's really the thing I think that I want to drive home in this podcast that I think is our goal is that when you start taking control of your health, it becomes this holistic thing, right? Like you start breaking free of being dependent on others and becoming self-sufficient. And that's really empowering. Yeah. And it's transformative of our mental health, our emotional health, our spiritual health, our physical health, all of it, it all encompasses. Yeah, and it's a and it's a huge transition for a lot of people because again, we were born into this mentality. Even the term healthcare, like a lot of people think of healthcare as this administrative privilege that you are given, most likely through your employer, to have access to government pharmaceutical, surgery, radiation, <laughs> advice, uh, yeah. whatever. And that's what most people think of as healthcare. And it's like, why it, it, it has, it has, it has been a, a, a question that I'll probably always continue to, to, to be fascinated by why in the world would, would we turn over the number one responsibility that 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 we have to ourselves which is our health why would we turn that responsibility over to a third party why why would we yeah i mean you wouldn't even do that like you you wouldn't look think of other things in your life that you wouldn't do that with like you wouldn't you know you wouldn't turn the responsibility of you know your your pets over to a third party i mean i don't know maybe some people do but you know but you wouldn't turn the responsibility of your your, your children over to a third party. Like, why are we turning our biggest, like, if we aren't healthy, we can't be there for our pets or our children or our significant others. And, and so many of us think that health care is this administrative thing that gives us access to corporate government stuff. And, and I, I don't know, I don't know any, I, I, I haven't lived a day in my life that I haven't known. And I think we all know it's, it's literally a pop culture meme that government corporations, politicians, they're not our friends. They're not looking out for us, the individuals, they, they are 
They are entities that are self-perpetuating. They are there, there for their own existence. Yeah, let's, I want to talk about healthcare because my story with kind of getting disillusioned with it was um, during my first marriage, my then husband quit his job and we lost our health insurance. And then I bought just a plan off of the marketplace and it covered most things, but it wouldn't cover my asthma, wouldn't cover my son's vaccinations, which at the time I was vaccinating. And it didn't cover like pretty much anything. It could it would really, really, really was just for emergencies or if I was like really sick and I couldn't mm-hmm. figure it out. So at, during that time, I learned how to treat conditions. Like I had chronic sinus infections and I learned, you know, a neti pot mm-hmm. and oregano oil, got rid of them mm-hmm. better, better. And I didn't have gut problems from them. And I learned that, you know, food triggered my migraines and my psoriasis and, I learned how to treat sore throats using herbs and, you know, homeopathic remedies. And like all of a sudden, the only time I needed a doctor was if something was broken. Yeah. Well, something structural. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Or an infection that I, I, my, you know, with my kids, like they just, it wouldn't go away. Right. They weren't getting better after two weeks. I was like, okay, let's go, you know? And you know, my daughter has a heart defect. Yeah. Structural stuff. Right. So that type of stuff, like I'm so grateful for modern medicine because it's really great for the structural Mm -hmm. stuff, but it's, you know, but that's where it ends. And I think that when we can own our health and then we know, then we, there are, you know, with the structural stuff, we do have that, but it's not that expensive when you know how to navigate it, even cash pay, you know, my mom's a medical biller and I haven't had health insurance for years. And I'm like, if I ever go to a hospital and I, I you know, something's happened, I know, you know, I know how to afford, make it affordable. Right. And I think a lot of people just come to this point where you, you cannot outsource your health anymore. And it then realize it's the most empowering thing on the planet, but it is hard to wrap your mind around. Like I had chronic migraines and I was taking a pharmaceutical three times a week just to be able to function and graduate from college. You know, when it turned out that all I had to do was stop eating corn, mm-hmm. you know, and-, and all those things that you mentioned, like the neti pot, that, that's not new knowledge. That's that knowledge no, has been around for, for long, long, thousands long of years. Yeah. And well, and that's how I learned was just like these people who went the naturopathic route, learned how to take care of themselves. And they taught me their knowledge. And that's how medicine was very effective medicine. They, you know, there's country, there's places that they're the medicine woman will use banana leaves and some salve and then, you know, cut huge gashes or close the next day. And we can't even wrap our heads around that in modern America, you know, and first world countries were like, really these third world countries have better healthcare. They know how to do C-sections and heal those C-sections and prevent death and childbirth. You think that, oh, if you, if you're not in a first world country, you're just dying of childbirth. And no, they have, they've birth problems have been around forever and they have solutions for them. And it's just, it's just so interesting to me how we, we have, we do, we outsource our healthcare when really there's so much knowledge in the world that if we took advantage of it, everybody would be and better. we're not, and, and their system, the corporate structure, the, the the corporate schools, the corporate media, the the corporate food, the corporate medical, all of that corporate structure is not going to teach you that because it, right. it, it's not part of their business model. You know, right. have, have, having having sustainable health and people not 
that model is it's like subscription through prescription. You know, it's it's like they're they're trying to hook you and get you on their their products. So I have an analogy or an illustration for that. We joke about this. So in the naturopathic world, we always talk about how we're a pyramid. It's an upfront investment. But as you learn how to take control of your health, we work ourselves out of a job. Your cost mm-hmm. initially is more expensive than what you're used to. But, you know, within a year, maybe 18 months, if that, if that long, you don't need a doctor anymore. You don't need a health coach anymore. But then in the allopathic model, it's an upside down yep. pyramid where the upfront cost is very low because you're just paying your copay, you know, but then you're not getting better. So then you have to go see a specialist and you have to get all these tests and these scans and then you're still not getting better. And then you're getting injections and then you're, you know, getting, you know, and then your prescriptions start growing because there's, you know, side effects. And then you have to counter those side effects. And then all of a sudden you're spending, you know, thousands of dollars a month and a year. And so it gets bigger as time goes on. And so when you are willing to trust people who use an integrative approach and learn and are educating you on how to take care of yourself, you're going to save yourself thousands of dollars. Plus have the pride in knowing if something happens, I'll be okay, which is, I think, huge. I love that. I don't like depending on anybody. Like, I want to know that if I, if something happens, I know how to take care of myself or I know what questions to ask <laughs> if I can't, you know, it's just, it's huge. Yeah. You'd mentioned you too, um, like myself, I haven't had medical insurance and I, I, I don't even remember. I was, it was years and years and years ago. And, and, and that'll come up in conversation from time to time. And there'll be people around me go, Oh my gosh, what, 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 what are you going to do if, if something happens? And I was like, well, what do you think is going to happen? You know, what, well, what if, you know, what if you, what if you get sick and, 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 well, if, if, if something happens to me, just like if something happens to my car or if something happens to my dog, we will address it, but I don't, but I, I will be the general contractor of that. Like I will, I will, I will, I'm not going to bring in somebody else who from an industry that I already know I can't trust to work on my problem. Well, it's like people say, oh, what if you get cancer? And I'm like, well, if I went cancer, I wouldn't be doing chemo and radiation anyways. I'd be going to the Gearson (laughs) clinic, you know, like I I would not be going that route at all. There's other routes that are much more effective, you know? And I think that, again, that's part of the education is like, now, if I break a bone, okay, yeah, I can have them set it yeah. and give me a cast. Yeah. You know, um, my daughter has a heart defect. If she needed heart surgery, you know, I want her in the hospital getting heart surgery. I trust her. her cardiologist is an amazing, amazing person who sat down and spent an hour and a half with me that first yeah. appointment explaining everything. And, you know, he sees us every year and I love him to death, you know, but it's like, again, like, even if that happened, yeah, her appointments are expensive, but I have to wonder, like, if we didn't have health insurance, would they cost 13 grand a year? You know, would we be doing the tests that they're doing that they know insurance covers, yeah. right? And so it's just, it's a very interesting thought and a, such a paradigm shift. And, you know, for people who are really new to this, this, this episode is going to be really out there. Um, but bear with us because as you do your research and maybe five, five, 10 years from now, you're going to be like, dang, they really knew what they were talking about. Because I remember being in that spot where like, I was just learning so much and you just get, you get from shocked to angry to like, okay, how do I flip off the system? You know, know, (laughs) know? (laughs) I just, I just thought of something and maybe this is, you know, for those people, you know, you'd mentioned, you know, people who are, who are new to this, this might be a shock. 
Here's a little test that um, that you can do, and, and this is this is something that actually really happened to me. So, um, got two two boys, and both are huge into soccer. And years ago, um, my my oldest he had a uh, situation with his knee that we needed a um, we needed a X ray done. And so I just happened to know where there was a radiology um, office and I called up and I made an appointment. And even that was kind of fun because they're, they're like, well, who is the, uh, you know, who is the the doctor? And I was like, there is no doctor. I just want to make an appointment. Okay. You know, uh, <laughs> put you down. And so I go, I go there for my appointment and um, the very, you know, I say who, who I am time of the appointment and the very next thing the lady asked me for she said can i see your insurance card and i was like what does insurance have to do with this i'm here for a I'm just here for an x-ray this this is this is cash but there's no no reason to bring insurance into this how much is a how much is an x-ray <laughs> you know and um she fumbles around and i go sit down and my my name gets called and take my son there and we get the x-ray and we're checking out and um the x-ray ended up being like 39.95 and um and I, I paid it i wanted to make sure i paid it got my receipt first and then i asked the lady i said hey, let me ask you something there wasn't a line behind me so i wasn't that guy i was like let me ask you something if i would have pulled out like a blue cross blue shield card and gave you gave you that you know what what would my copay have been for this and the copay was 75 dollars so the copay was yep. 75. The secrets of the trade. <laughs> the, 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 the copay was 75. But like, if you drop insurance out of the equation altogether and go, how much is this cost? 39.95. It's like, <laughs> so, it's uh, so I have a, I have a similar story. So my friend uh, three years ago was pregnant, didn't have insurance, right? Or her insurance was really, really crappy and wouldn't cover a lot of things. So she just decided for the ultrasound to go cash pay. Didn't even tell them she had insurance. Mm. She called like six different ultrasound places and the prices varied wildly. Some of them were like 139 all the way down to $40, right? And the same for MRIs. I know people yep. who don't have insurance that need MRIs and it's anywhere from five grand to $200 if you're willing to shop yeah. around, right? So it takes a bit more time, but it's not as expensive as you would think yeah. you know it's very very interesting like people think like oh if you don't have insurance and you need something beyond you know the regular cold and flu or whatever like you're going to be bankrupt and die actually insurance is probably going to bankrupt you a whole lot faster Abs yeah you know because of the premiums and then the co-pays and you know the the stuff that's not covered less yeah. and less is covered every year and so it's like for me, you know, again, I don't have structural issues, right? I mean, I have asthma, I deal with like ear infections and stuff, but I know how to manage those with yeah. lifestyle. And so again, it's not a big deal because I don't have to worry about it. But at the same time, even if you have structural issues, there's, if you're willing to put in the time and the effort, it's not as, it's cheaper. Yeah. And, and the, it really the biggest thing about being a cash pay person, whether you have insurance or not, if you go into an office or a scenario and just you know, announce that you are cash pay, the biggest shift for me and the most important aspect of that is you are in you are now in charge. 
you are you are an actual customer. If you're going through insurance, you you have zero say in just about you're you're going to take what they give you. They're going to take what they approve or what is approved or whatever. But when you're cash pay, you call the shots. I um I years ago I woke up one morning and I was blind in this eye. I just woke up, mm. was in the shower, and I was like, what in the world is going on? And I went through all the different scenarios. What did I have a stroke? What is what is going on? Turns out my retina had fallen off in my sleep. Apparently I have crazy REM rapid eye movement when I when I sleep. And that that is a sign of an overactive, uh, which um, may be guilty of that. Um <laughs> you might be as well. But but I basically shook it off. It it just disconnected from the back of my eye. So so again, structural issue. I went to a, an eye surgeon who was a very nice gentleman and obviously in a bit of a panic and we got in there and uh, within, within 24 hours, it was, it was well, actually within 12 hours, it was reattached. And, um, but it was, it was pretty brutal surgery and all, but, um, and, then, and then 14 days later it fell off again and I had to go through the exact same thing. So um, I got to know this, this gentleman, my eye surgeon very, very well. Um, and he definitely knew where I was coming from ideologically. You know, he 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 knew that I was. You know, I don't step foot inside hospitals lightly. Like that is not where you know I want I want to be uh, for a plethora of reasons. But after that, a- after the second reattachment, I, I I was I mean I was diving into the whole subject of eye health and what can I do to get my nurse my eye back to back to health. And um, the the I, I mean. 30 minutes into researching this, you find out that like, you know, blue light in general is just awful. It's just awful for it for in so many ways, like the, it messes up the circadian rhythm and all of that, but like blue light from screens and from floor, you know, the, the led, anything led is, is awful for your eyes. And it was like, number one thing, like do not expose your your healing retina to any blue light, just make it natural light. I learned that on, on my own. And the other thing was, was how healing UV light is, you know? And, and so, so the two things that my eye surgeon should have told me, you know, post-op health would be stay away from blue light and get as much UV as possible. Get out in the sun. Look, look, look into the sun. You know, if if it all possible. Oh, that's counter the government guidelines. You can't do that. I got to know this guy well enough that, like, I called him out on it. Like, like I, you know, I went, I went because we had these follow up visits, and that I was paying cash for. So I was the boss, and I was like, this follow up visit, we're gonna talk. And I was like, why didn't you tell me this? And it's it's kind of deer in the headlights. I was, was like, I was like, you, you've, you know, I was sitting in his office and he's got all these plaques and all these years of achievement. I was like 30 minutes online. I came across some pretty foundational stuff that you should have told me. Why didn't you, why, why didn't you tell me? Like I'm paying you cash. We're not, we're not messing with insurance. Tell me, be, be honest with me. Tell, tell me why you didn't tell me. And his, his answer was pretty much, and I'm paraphrasing. He said, he said, look, um, he said, you know, I'm a licensed practitioner and there's a template that I have to follow, and there are guidelines, and there are things that I can and cannot recommend. He said there are conversations I can and can't have with you, and and he's like that that just did not fall into that category, and I, I was I was dumbfounded. I was like I was like you, you you've got to be kidding me. I was like cash pay or not, you're in the business of eye health, and you just reattached my retina for the second time in two weeks. The first thing you should have told me was to stay away from. Blue light, what sort of commercial government crap 
are you operating under that would would keep you from telling me that that information the licensing the licensing body he could lose his ability to practice yeah. and that's really what it was i was like i was like un, it's unbelievable I, I was like uh, you know and, and and i was like i, I don't know man I, I don't i don't know how you people in you know saying this to him i was like i don't know how you people operate like that when you know you know what is right and what is wrong you just can't say it and 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 why why you agree to that it's one i mean one thing to be a shisty salesman if you're selling like office furniture or shoes or something like that but this this is this is my eyesight this is people's health you know life and death in in some, in some cases and that information that i mean and, and anybody listening to this that if anything sinks in just know there is a ton of information that medical professionals know that is right they just can't say it to you they cannot in their capacity tell you these things you know, they could take you out for dinner on their off hours and talk to you as just a you know private person to private person and, and and tell you these things. But when they've got their code on and they're in their office and they're in that professional capacity, there's all sorts of things they're not allowed to tell you that that would benefit you, the the patient. You know, and I, I do want to say we're not trying to dog anybody out, but it's just the reality of the situation. So just kind of know that don't get defensive if you have a, you know, like I have an uncle who's a doctor and I love him to death. He's one of those that really cares about his patients. And I get to talk to doctors off the books. Yeah. You know, we, you know, I used to go, my uncle is, a, you know, used to do a lot of lobbying for women's health and the, you know, at the government level. And he truly, truly cares about women's health. And I get to hear all these doctors say all the things off the books, yeah. you know, which is very, very fun. Not a lot of people have that experience. And like, I understand like the medical, the medical world, the people that go in really do care. Oh, yeah. But their hand, but their hands it's are just tied. like, just so like teachers at the end of the day, just at the end of the day, we just really want to emphasize that you own your health outcomes and you have to do the research yourself. And that's really what it comes down to is the more that you can control, the better off you're going to be. Yeah. And I, yeah, I, I want to stress that too. That I'm not saying that there aren't good people in you know, the medical industry that 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 um that mean well. There's a bunch of people in the medical industry that mean well, but you know, there's a bunch of amazing public school teachers that that would love to teach and discipline their students, but they're not allowed to do it. And if they try to do it, they will lose their job. And so it's the same thing with the with the medical industry. There's a lot of good people that would love to help people be healthy Practice and, 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 and help people be healthy and and heal and fix problems. But um, their particular profession. That's why I'm trying to be, I'm trying, I'm trying to be honest, but I'm also trying to be respectful. I mean, what they're in a commercial scenario and if they wish yeah. to remain in that commercial scenario, they have to play by the rules. And, and all I'm saying is, is those rules, the reality is those rules prevent them from helping their, their, their yeah. patients a lot. And a lot of doctors are getting out because they can't stand They're They're going to a cash pay model. Yeah. They're doing like a monthly you know, monthly fee and you get so much, so many visits or so many yeah. calls and things like that out of it because they want to be able to practice medicine. Yeah. So the, the, the things are shifting. There's a huge Massive. shift going on massively. You know, um, my uncle was an OBGYN, so delivered lots of babies and he got price, he got insurance out of being able to practice on his own. And now he's in a, in a hospital because he still loves it, but it was a million dollars a year for malpractice insurance. Mm. He was paying everybody else and taking zero home. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and this is just the reality of the medical world right now. And then 
when the government got involved in healthcare, all of a sudden doctors couldn't practice medicine anymore. They have to practice to insurance. So they're not able to help the way that they used to, you know, and that's why it's just so important that everything that you can do yourself, you learn how to do, because at the end of the day, there's only so much that they can do, but you can do exponentially more yourself. I say this on my website. I read this stat a long time ago, and it has not changed from what I've seen that doctors are only doctors are only responsible for about 10 to 20% of your health outcomes. So that's structural, right? That's not chronic. That's structural. They're only they are responsible for 10 to 20%. So that means 80 to 90% of your health outcomes literally depend on yourself. Mm -hmm. So that's where we are coming from is like, we just want you to know what you need to know, what you need to be researching to be able to be the healthiest version of yourself. And this is what it takes. And it's, there's a lot involved and it's super overwhelming, but I hope that what you get from this is that it's doable. And hopefully you get some places to start and understand it's a process. It takes years. It's a process. It's a mindset. You have to, you know, like I'm just, you know, I mean, at the end of the day, I'm, I'm, I'm still the same 14 year old punk rock skateboarder that, that I've always been. And I just don't, I don't like deception. You know, I don't, I don't mm -hmm. like people playing games. I, you know, so, so, some of my favorite people in life have been, my wife would, would get this, but some of my best friends, you would look at them and go, why in the world are these your best friends? Because they're, they're, they're not like you at all, but the reason they're my best friends is they're raw and they're real and they're honest and they're not trying to pull anything. And, and that's, that's how I, that's, that's my hope for just humanity in general is, 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 is I hope more and more people as people um, learn their way forward as their eyes are opened to more things that we embrace the the, the rawness and, and just the realness of interacting with each other. There are some things that like you might need to say to me that I might not want to hear, but if you're telling me these things and you're doing it honorably and you're doing it truly for my be my betterment or in my best interest, then I can't do anything but respect that and love you back and and maybe someday be able to repay the favor and and, and do the same for you. I don't know. That's where I think the the profit and the the profit motive, the commercial, you know, when when something goes into the commercial realm, all that is all that realness, all that rawness is stripped away. It's not about that anymore. It's about turning a profit. And unfortunately, that is what the medical industrial complex is is based on, is turning a profit. Well, you know, we're running out of time, but I really want to talk about this. I remember when Bayer, I think it was Bayer bought out a whole bunch of holistic supplement mm -hmm. companies, you know, Garden of mm -hmm. Life. And um, there was a few others that I was just absolutely heartbroken because as soon as these small family owned businesses that have a heart for giving you the best quality product possible, get bought out by a huge corporation, the quality goes down. Bragg's apple cider nope. vinegar is no longer cloudy. There's no longer a mother nope. in it anymore, you know, and it's absolutely devastating. Like, and I think about like Dave's killer bread and yeah. what it oh, used man. to be when, compared to yeah, what it is now. A fantastic off the shelf product before it got gobbled up. And it's just not anymore. And yeah, it got gobbled up. Yeah. And this is happening with supplements and vitamin companies. And that's why, you know, like I think a huge topic and obviously we don't have time, but sourcing 
Like, like if we, you could take anything, anything that you're putting on or in you, get more into the sourcing, like know where that stuff is coming from. And, and if at all possible, try to find a source that is not a retail source, like find the direct source. If you're going to get eggs, get eggs from somebody who's, you know, got the chickens. If you're going to get supplements, get, get supplements from I mean, there's all sorts of people who make supplements. You know I mean? That's a, that supplements is a big, big, big world. I mean, I, I take all my, because I know, I know my eggs, are coming from just the most amazing source. So I save all my eggshells and I, I crush, well, some, some of it I crush and use for gardening purposes, but I'll, I'll powderize some of that. I make my own calcium yeah, tablets. I mean, I'll, that's a huge one. Yeah. Yep. You know, and I mean, I mean, you don't even, if you're eating eggs and those eggs are coming from a healthy source, save those eggshells, put them in a coffee grinder and you've got calcium right there. You've got calcium for you, your pets, you know, you heck you can throw it in your plants. You know, I remember learning that and it was just like incredible. Like I remember, I'm trying to remember what she told me, but she's like, you disinfect them, you soak them in lemon juice, you peel off the skins on the inside, right? The membrane, and then you crush them. And it's one of the best sources of calcium oh, it's, it's, you can it's, get it's, because it has all these other minerals in it that prevent it from becoming stones. Mm-hmm in your body. So it's not just calcium, but it's a bioavailable usable source with all the other minerals required to make it usable. And it was like, my, freaking kidding me. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And and, and then like, go on, you know, go, go on Amazon or whatever and look and look and see what they're charging for calcium supplements, you know, high-end calcium supplements. And then they're recommending that women don't take calcium because it becomes hardened in our arteries for, for women specifically, this happens. If you take a calcium supplement and it's like, well, how am I supposed to protect my bones? Yeah. Well, there's so many other ways. So that's like, I have so much in my brain that, w- I mean, we could literally talk about this for hours, but we have given people a ton of food for thought. We've probably blown a few minds and they're like, do I really want to keep listening to this and going down this rabbit hole? I promise that you do. But again, thank you so yeah. much for coming on and talking with Absolutely. me. Absolutely. Hey, I got something free for your, your, your audience. If, if yeah. they want. so if you go to the red forward slash guide, um, we've got this anti-dependency guide here and, and it, I put this together and I tried to make it like visually fun to go through, but it's just, it takes you through 10 steps of, of life that we all have the ability to control. And there's, there's a hope, hopefully there's at least two or three things in there that'll make you go, Whoa, I didn't realize that. You know, that was kind of the whole point. And, and I'm not gathering and saving emails of yours to spam out or it, this is really just one. I think one of the biggest things that I really get enjoyment out of is, is just sharing knowledge and it's just a pure knowledge share. So the red forward slash guide, just go ahead and, and, and download that. And I, I hope that there's at least a couple things in there that, that would uh, make you just go, Whoa, that's, that's interesting. So. It's a great guide, I will say. And the book is fantastic. Highly recommend buying the book. Again, it's just, if you're, if you love learning and you want to know what you don't know, it's a great book to get started. And they're coming out with the Red Pill, Red Pill Revolution food. Yes, that'll, that, that, will, that will be out shortly. And that's going to be a history of food and uh, the human relationship with food and, and how that has changed you know, from an ancestral relationship to this, this commercial weird relationship we now have food. So, so it's yeah. a, it's, so it's, it's a, yeah, it's a deep, deep, deep dive and, and it should be a, it should be a fun read. So, I mean, thank you for the kind words on the previous book. I appreciate that. Oh yeah. Thank And like I said, I just, I love 
having you on and having these conversations. It's so good. And I look forward to having you back again and just taking people even further because there's more to go. You guys say when, <laughs> say when, and, and I'm there, Marion, thank you so, so much for having me You're, you're You've got a great thing going and, um, and I'm just glad to be part of it in a little way. Thank you so much for hanging out with me today. If you found this episode helpful, would you do me a favor and help others find it by leaving a review, sharing a screenshot on social media, or sharing the link with a friend? By you sharing what you've learned, others are able to find this podcast and join our community. Be sure to check out my website, www.roadtolivingwhole.com for over 160 delicious recipes, a variety of meal plans, and a blog packed full of even more healthy living tips. If you'd like to learn more about how to work with me as your coach, you can schedule a free consult through www.roadtolivingwhole.com backslash health-coaching backslash. Until next time, friend. Bye.